Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. This is episode number 24, the Cryptocalypse and Predictions. Today is Tuesday, the 20th of July, 2021. I'm your host, Jeremy, and I have been doing this show for nearly six months, exactly. So the first episode here, number one, white paper whitewashing in history of the flipping was the 23rd of January, 2021. So it's the 20th of July, 2021. And so as a result, I thought it might be good, no guest today, obviously, <laughs> I thought it might be a good time to review some of my previous uh, content, some of my predictions that I've made, and we can see how that panned out or didn't, as the case may be, and also to look forward to the next six months or the next, yeah, six to, to 12 months of cryptocurrency, what I think's going to happen and, and take a look at some theories that there are in the market right now and uh, yeah, get my takes on them. So I'm hoping that this one will be a bit of a prophetic episode. We'll obviously, we'll see, but I'm going to try and lay out uh, a few predictions here that we can come back to at the end of the year or next year or, or in hindsight and see see how it, how it goes. Um, yeah, it's uh, nearly 6 a.m. here. I've been up for the last hour and a half uh, preparing this, so you all know uh, I love crypto. Just couldn't couldn't sleep and had to uh, had to get this episode out to you, even if uh, I'm going to be wrecked at work today. So let's just get into it. I, I thought as well in uh, reference back to the early episodes, I thought maybe look, let's just try and freestyle this episode a little bit uh, and see how it goes, like I did the like I did the early ones. So. This is going to be a bit off the top of the head. I haven't, I've got a bit of a plan, but I haven't done it all with the slides and stuff like how I uh, usually do it. So, right. So the show has been going about uh, six months now. And uh, just yesterday I released as well, just to quickly touch on, or not yesterday, uh, on Sunday, I, I released my song. That was the secret project that I've been working on, Disloyal. So everybody can check that out and maybe get some uh, cryptocurrency vibes. Uh, I thought Bitcoin Cash could really use a bit of a, a protest uh, rock song to uh, help spread the idea and the message for all the people that don't have all <laughs> um, all day to, you know, listen to me talk for hours and hours about it. With the... <laughs> there we go. That's it. A bit of a, a preview there for anybody who hasn't listened to that, but I'll, I'll leave a link and, and people can people can check that out if they enjoy that. It's been pretty well received. Uh, a lot of people commented that they really liked it. It, it. it obviously does have some swearing. It is a bit aggressive and, and so on and so forth, but that's rock and rap music for you. So that's, that's, just, that's just how I feel. That's just the fact. So uh, if anybody doesn't like it, well, tough. That's kind of not the point of those genres to be uh, appealing to everyone. Right, so let's crack on then and get straight into the theory. So right now, the price of Bitcoin is $29,712. Ethereum at about $1,740. 
Bitcoin Cash, $394.72. This might be the lowest that it's been uh, in the whole run of this show, or certainly uh, at the lower end. Um, you know, so we've seen, you know, a bit of a run up uh, from when the show started. It was about, I don't know, 400 and something dollars, I think. And it went up or we've been followed it all the way up to about $1,500 uh, and now back down to about uh, $400. So been a been a wild ride. I hope everybody's <laughs> been enjoying it. Crypto never fails to disappoint in terms of uh, volatility and uh and excitement there so let's also have a quick look here uh, so one BTC now buys about 75 BCH so that's been again also the ratio has fluctuated quite a lot so I think it started out at about 70 no maybe I kind of remember but it was like 90 ish to one or 70-ish to one or something like that and it went as low as 118 to one and then it went up as high as 35 to one now we're back to 75 to one uh btc to bch so or, or one to 75 btc to bch so the uh definitely definitely volatile on that uh respect as well not just with btc and bch first the usd but but versus each other so you know long-time listeners of the show can see that uh it's all it's always volatile right things are always uh changing and so uh in the long in the long run things things maybe never play out how how you expect given all that volatility along the way right so uh skipping past all the usual stats and stuff we look at the news everything like that i just want to get straight into the the predictions and the grand theory of the markets that I have here. Uh, and so we're going to start on Twitter. This episode is going to have quite a bit of uh, Twitter posts that we're going to be looking at because I want to look at some of the predictions that have been made in the last couple of months and, and where things are at now, right? So in general, I, well, maybe let's start with this one then. My uh, prediction from June the 22nd, I made this tweet here and it says heading into the hashtag cryptocalypse, which I have coined. So hopefully that uh, catches on or something because that, that would be pretty cool. But that's why I'm going to call my theory uh, is the cryptocalypse. Uh, hashtag tether blows up. Hashtag Bitcoin investors realize they're all in a Ponzi cult. All coins suffer massive damage. Hashtag Bitcoin Cash rise in the very long-term aftermath on the strength of real utility. One last crash, then crypto takes over totally. So this is my general theory of where we're at. So this was from the 22nd of June. So if we go back here and we look at the price of uh, Bitcoin at that time. Here we go. Load up the data, right. So yeah, obviously we can see in the last uh, months since this show has started, Bitcoin started in about the $33,000 range, uh, had a bit of a dip down to $30,000, then went all the way up to $64,000 was the, the peak in here somewhere, um, in about yeah uh, early April, and then it's been to in the high 50,000s in May, and then crashed down and then in June, 
uh, and July has been in the the thirty thousands and sort of trending lower, and has just now in mid July dipped uh, back back under thirty thousand dollars. Right. So at the time when I made this uh, cryptocalypse uh, post, let's see here, fifteenth. You know, it was more uh, the twenty second. Okay, it was about thirty two thousand dollars. So. Uh, in the in in the same sort of range, but since then we've just seen things sort of slide a little bit further <laughs> off the cliff, and I think we're going to uh, keep going. And this kind of comes from uh, a post I made even a month earlier than that in May, uh, May the nineteenth, where Colin talks crypto, who I'm a I'm a big fan of, and we're going to discuss some of his uh, uh, predictions and some of his. Uh, analysis in this uh, video as a counterpoint to my theory because he sort of has the opposite theory uh, so we'll take a look at his points and take a look at my points and then obviously it will be fun in six months or 12 months uh, I can review it and he can review it and uh, we can see who who is right uh, or who was wrong or, to, or, or whatever right so uh, that's that's always fun I think uh, hopefully he'll he'll enjoy that and enjoy this video and I think I will um, too, no matter how it turns out, uh, he's a, he's a pretty cool guy. So I'm sure he'll be uh, happy to admit if he, if he turns out wrong and, and I will be too, obviously. So, uh, he, he said, uh, on May the 19th, I'm going to call it now 30,000 was the bottom for this correction. And I mean, you know, we didn't go into the exact details of, you know, what was the time frame for that? Right. But basically he was bullish about, uh, Bitcoin dipping down uh, just here, um, where in May, when you can't even see it on this chart because the time frame's not long enough, but it basically dipped right down. Or not the time frame's not uh, short short enough for the individual segments, but it, it dipped down to thirty thousand, and then he was actually correct uh, that it did come back up, and it was in the thirty-five thousand, the forty thousand dollar range, and now it started sliding off uh, again, and so. I said, I'm making the opposite speculation. It's not a correction. It's the end of the hashtag Bitcoin bubble. Bitcoin's crash to sub 20K will drag down the entire market. Recovery will see promising projects, e.g. Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, surpass a Bitcoin that will be relegated forever. So that was my uh, theory at, at, at that time. And I, obviously I'm sticking to that and I'm going to expound upon that and give a bit of a, a full rundown of all my reasoning uh, so we can see in hindsight uh, what happened in the future and also have a look at, at my uh, sort of some of my predictions from the past, right? So so let's start here with our usual stats that we uh, take a look at here. So uh, the transactions, so Bitcoin Cash spiked up over Bitcoin. Right now it's doing about, this isn't right, yeah, here we go. Get the latest transactions in there. Okay, about 70, 77, 60,000 transactions per day for Bitcoin Cash. And Bitcoin, notably, down to 166,000 transactions after for many, many years. If we, if we scroll this back out, it's been in this, you know, 300,000-ish transactions. And then just over the, over the time period of this podcast, basically, it's gone from... Yeah, 350,000 transactions consistently. And now it's just slowly trending down and down and down uh, to 187,000 transactions. So the actual amount of 
Bitcoin uh, transactions made per day has effectively halved in in that time, right? And we're going to come back to why this is uh, why this is important uh, later. And then here we also have the Bitcoin to Bitcoin Cash sent in USD historical charts. So uh, through the time span of this uh, podcast, I sort of uh, picked up on it here in in January where. Bitcoin was doing 33 billion and Bitcoin Cash was doing 6 billion. And I sort of said Bitcoin Cash would uh, make uh, make a bit of a run up and keep closing the gap on, on Bitcoin, which is uh, what happened. And then as I got to here in uh, May of 2021, I was sort of expecting, well, maybe Bitcoin Cash can even just keep going. So I was wrong about that. Um, but instead, uh, Bitcoin has uh, decreased from, it's gone from 33 billion up to about, you know, at the peak 73 billion cent in one day. And now it's fallen all the way back down to 11 billion. So huge, huge drop off there. And Bitcoin Cash obviously got to its high at 35 uh, or 32 ish billion, or I don't know, there's one day in here where, where it is uh, just here we go, 26 billion. Uh, and it was 2 billion ahead of Bitcoin, but then has also sort of fallen away a little bit. And now is at uh, 5 billion relative to Bitcoin's, you know, 8 billion or 4 billion to 11 billion. So, you know, uh, you can see in here that it's been staying in the, in the action. And given that, like we saw the price difference still remains kind of 75 to one, the actual amount of commerce, it's only two to one or three to one, uh, on any given day. Uh, whereas back here it was, uh, let's see when I started this, you know, podcast, it was, uh, well, it was already starting to catch up a bit there, but, uh, you know, the ratio has, has still decreasing, uh, constantly. So it's pretty good news for Bitcoin cash, right? So to understand this entire episode, how is everything going to fit together? We need to review how a bubble works. So this is this classic graph, which has been around forever. Uh, that, you know, it's not even specific to cryptocurrency. I don't know who invented it or who came up with all this stuff, but it's pretty much explains exactly how the tulip mania worked in the Netherlands, you know, hundreds of years ago and how stock market bubbles work, the dot-com bubble, how crypto bubbles work, because it's all the same. It's always psychology. It's always, you know, the way people, uh, people operate, especially in cryptocurrency repeatedly over and over again. So you've got the stealth phase, you know, things start out um, pretty quiet. There's a bit of a takeoff. So the price rises a little bit. People get a bit excited. They think, oh, wow, this is a bit overvalued. Like there's a bit much going on here. So there's a bit of a sell-off there, a a bear trap where somebody, you know, who uh, thinks, oh, no, that, that was it. You know, we've just seen the rise and the fall and that's it. So they sell out. Then things really kick off. You get into the media attention and the mania. Everything just goes absolutely crazy. The price goes through the roof. It kicks into greed, delusion. New paradigm is the, the top point, right? We're changing the world. It's this, we've discovered you know, a, a leap forward. The price has never gone back down again. Everybody needs to buy that kind of thing, right? Then you have a little bit of uh, a crash because it peaks out a bit, a bit too much. Uh, so there's a bull trap with people thinking, oh, I'm going to buy the dip. It's just correcting. Uh, so they sort of get in there. 
uh, and the price comes back up a little bit, a return to normal. So everybody thinks, no, no, that's it. We've stabilized. It's all good. That was just the dip. Uh, and then you have fear, capitulation, as everyone realizes, wait, this is a massive bubble. Like the actual fundamental improvement in the value of your stock or your crypto or whatever over the short time span of this cycle cannot justify this. So everything crashes way back down. Uh, you get into despair. Everybody thinks it's all over. Game over. Just sell out now. The media, you know, this is when they're, they're most writing articles. Oh, we knew it. Bitcoin was just hype. It's all a fad. Uh, look at all these idiots who thought they were in the new paradigm, you know, one month ago or whatever. Uh, and then sort of a return to the mean. So the important thing as well about this graph is that it's not flat. There is some growth between the start and the end. Like the value did increase uh, a decent, you know, a, a non-trivial amount, let's say. So things do end up higher than when they started. But obviously in this cycle, they get way out of bounds in terms of the, um, especially to the upside, the amount of the price relative to the actual value, which is slowly increasing at a sort of more consistent rate, right? So this is how a bubble works. Very important to understand. So if we have here, uh, I mean, so I mean, like, look, we can almost see if we take a quick look at the price. Uh, again, I forgot to mention as well, this is a very going to be a very visual episode. So for any of the audio listeners, uh, this might be a really, really good one if you if you don't usually watch the YouTube video to load it up and, and watch it with the graphs and everything. I think that will make make it a lot clearer, but I'll do my best to uh, explain. So with these that bubble graph that we we're just looking at, you can see it here, right? Okay, so if you can imagine if we could zoom this in uh, a little bit, but this was like, you know, when I got involved in cryptocurrency in here in 2013, so the price was in the 400s, then it went up to 1000 or on Mt. Cox, it was as high as $1,200, new paradigm, etc., etc., and then crashed off uh, a bit as everyone realizes that was a bit much. Okay, and then it got down to 400s and then 300s and 200s, right? Despair, everything like that, it's all over. The community kept plugging away at it. That was the block size war in here. And then after the block size war kind of uh, was finishing up a little bit here in August, uh, Bitcoin Cash forked off. And so let's just uh, briefly do a bit of history right here. So in these, in these bubbles here, so this 2013, there was one smaller bubble, which was because uh, Bitcoin was shown to be viable on the Silk Road that people were trading uh, drugs and some stuff that then the Silk Road got shut down. So the price crashed uh, and that was when I heard about it and, and subsequently got involved. And then later that year in December, the it was called the China Rally because Mt. Gox, which was the biggest exchange at the time, uh, the price kept going higher and higher and a lot of investors in China got really interested. BTC China and Huobi were the big exchanges um, rolling at that time. And so then the price, yeah, went up to like twelve hundred dollars, uh, and it was all you know very exciting. The community felt like it was breaking through, etc. Uh, but obviously, it all sort of ended in disaster when Mount Gox uh, turned out to be a fraud, and they didn't have all the coins that they had, and they stopped people withdrawing, and then uh, it all sort of fell apart in this huge Ponzi scheme. And so yeah, the price crashed off here. So then you had this uh, the block size war, like I said. And then after Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash split off uh, in August of uh, 
the 1st of August 2017, so we're actually coming up to the four-year anniversary of that, which is pretty exciting for Bitcoin Cash that uh, we're still here and still kicking. Uh, you know, August 1st is a significant day for Bitcoin Cash, but not for Bitcoin uh, community. I guess they weren't really uh, paying any attention to it. But anyway, they split off uh, there, and so then the block size war was sort of resolved, or I guess the Bitcoin BTC community was free from having the Bitcoin Cash doubters such as myself all uh, complaining about the block size and everything. And so the uh, you know price started going through the roof here. So from $2,000 up to $17,000 in December of 2017. So important to note that the uh, price here in December uh, you know, 2013 was 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 at a bubble, and then again in December of 2017, so about you know four years later, uh, so it gets up to new paradigm, etc., etc., seventeen thousand uh, dollars. Everybody realizes, wait, this is a bit much as as per usual. And important to note here, the fees went absolutely through the roof at this time because obviously the BTC side of the fork, they were the small block size. So they thought, look, we, well, it depends who you ask, but they basically said, we're going to have to have expensive fees on the main chain. We can't have cheap fees. And this is what the Bitcoin Cash side said. Look, obviously that's like, why, who would want to use an expensive currency when they could use one that was cheaper to trade? That doesn't even uh, make sense. But because they had the brand, the Bitcoin BTCs, crowd they had the small blocks and that was fine and then yeah they had this huge price rally and because more and more people were trading and because we were at the cap uh, obviously the fee price went up and it went up and up and up and it depends who you ask but in my mind the fact that the fees were going through the roof that was what popped the bubble because people realized oh this is not going to absolutely take over the world if the fees have gone in the last week from $20 to $50 and then you know, how high could they possibly go? Like, obviously, it's not viable at some point. Everybody realizes that other people might have different theories for why the bubble would have um, popped, but that is my theory. And so if we go here, I think at the end here somewhere, I have a chart of the fees. Uh, here we go, the fees. So you can see here, look at this huge run up, right? So the fees were, you know, $1 or, or so, which was in the, the block size war, you know, they get up, getting up to 2 or $3. So the, that's why there was the block size war because the community that is used to having fees of, you know, less than one cent is suddenly like fees at $2. That's a huge increase. That was absolutely unacceptable at the time. Um, but then, you know, with the small block size, they got to keep the Bitcoin branding and they went through a price bubble and got a lot of attention. And lo and behold, the fees, you know, went through the roof up to here, up to as high as like 52, you know, 55-ish dollars at the peak. Uh, and then the then the price crashed. And as we'll see, in, a, in you know, in a moment, we've had the exact same thing happen here as well. Look, the, the fees were then low for a, a few years between um you know february march of, of 2018 after the bubble through until january and then they started creeping up again as more usage built up on the chain and then with the recent uh bubble starting in october of you know 2020 and the the as the price skyrocketed so too did the fees. we had the exact same thing whether and look at how well this maps to that 
uh, bubble graph as well that I was, uh, you know, that we looked at before with, okay, the initial run up and then the, the bear trap and then the new paradigm. And then here's the bull trap and then, uh, you know, back, back down as well. And then the same thing here, right? You had a run up, you had the, uh, the, what's it called? The bear trap. Then the fees were back down from, you know, $10 down to $2. Then there's another, you know, huge run up here. You get to new paradigm where the fees are more than $65. And then, uh, obviously that pricked the bubble or at least that's my uh, interpretation of it, but you know, other people might have other reasoning uh, and then uh, crashing back down. And so now the fees on Bitcoin are back down to only about uh, $2, but it seems at least if you <laughs> take this analysis as correct, uh, that that bubble has um, finished uh, and we're sort of not going back, right? So, okay, so let's have a look here. So if we go back here, so yeah, and obviously, so we had the 2017 bubble, you had things meander along here. And then in uh, 20 October of 2020, the price is about $12,000, huge run up starts um, in, in up to in January. This is about where I start the podcast because this huge uh, explosion in the price of Bitcoin has got me uh, more interested and I've joined the scene a bit more again also because uh, Bitcoin Cash A had forked off from BCH and so uh, a combination of those two uh, factors plus everything I talked about in episode one of the podcast got me uh, interested again and I also mentioned on my last episode uh, at the end the very last section with Mark DeMiesel uh, I talked a bit about that as well too but so I get a bit, a bit more back involved here the the uh, we look we see the exact same pattern the run up to thirty eight thousand ish uh, then there's the the bear trap as the uh, price crashes off down to thirty three thousand dollars then a huge run up here fifty eight thousand it gets up to sixty four thousand in my opinion this point here that's a new paradigm etc <laughs> etc. Et uh, and then we just crashed off here, right? And maybe this was a little bit of the uh, bull trap with the price uh, back up at 40,000 and now here at 29,000. And so my prediction obviously is that we're going to keep, you know, crumbling away down here and then be back into a, a period uh, at the at the bottom of the cycle, which typically, again, so this is, you know, in 2021 and the previous one was in 2017 and then the previous one was in 2013. So it's about a four year cycle, right? And that's related to Bitcoin's halving cycle where every four years, the amount of new Bitcoins per block halves and therefore the inflation rate of the currency, which slowly decreases over time because the new supply is related to an ever, you know, an ever bigger existing supply. Um, but, you know, at, at that halving, obviously, that changes the supply and demand dynamics quite significantly, right? So that's my uh, theory, is that we've hit the top, new paradigm, and it's all over, and it's all sort of blowing up uh, at the moment. And so, but Colin's uh, theory, which we're going to see in a, in a minute, is that this, uh, this run up here and all this price action, this is just the small kind of sub peak, which is like the... Uh, in 2013 when there was the run-up, like I said, with the 
Silk Road and it went up to $250 and then it kind of crashed off back again to $80 and then it did a later run up to $1,200. He thinks, you know, twice in the same year, it wasn't separated by that four year span. He thinks that's what we're seeing here. And so this is the sort of the Silk Road equivalent of we've had a smaller run up and then we're going to have a monstrous run up after this, you know, up to, you know, from 30,000 up to 100,000 or you'll see he says even up to like, as high as 300,000, right? So the exact numbers is not really important. What's important is where we are sort of in the cycle, right? So let's uh, take a look. So, but let's, let's, so my theory is the cryptocalypse, uh, tether, and we're going to go through all this, the Bitcoin investors, uh, and everything's just massive damage. Uh, but in the very, very long run, Bitcoin cash is going to come out uh, good out of all this. Um, okay. So let's let's carry on a little bit here then. So, oh, okay, so we've got the bubble stuff here. Okay, so let's take a look here at, I want to just point back to my episode from the 18th of March, 2021, which was called, it was episode number 10, and it was called Cryptocurrency Gets Cool and the Bitcoin BTC Bubble. And so I wasn't, uh, I didn't go all in detail into the, the pricing of everything, but just have a, have a good listen <laughs> to this section from March. So let's say in March, the price was, um, let's see here, Thursday, March the 18th. So the price was $57,000, but nearly $58,000. And the peak of the bubble was under a month later at about, you know, $64,000. And we're now at $29,000 or nearly $30,000, right? So with that context in mind, let's have a bit of a listen to what I thought about all of this uh, in March of 18th of March, 2021. So on, I think that's great, right? So uh, this all comes right in the context of the Bitcoin uh, bubble, which is is very, uh, I don't know how, how to say, but it's almost a bit, like a bit destined, really, is that Bitcoin has gone up and now it's been, it's hit over $60,000 and it's become this uh, global story in a sense of cryptocurrency reaching new highs and, and everything like that. But even though its price is so ridiculous and it's at such a point of uh, finance that it's worth more than a trillion dollars, right? Which was, if you told somebody eight years ago, Bitcoin will be worth a trillion dollars, they might think, oh yeah, yeah, that's never ever gonna happen, right? Um, especially because it's, it's now been 12 years and there's this stat, right, that Bitcoin took 12 years to get to $1 trillion. And Google, one of the most phenomenally successful globally adopted uh, products and companies in the world, took 22 years, right? So Bitcoin is nearly twice as fast as Google to acquire that amount of uh, financial relevance in the world. So it's done that on the back of this uh, bubble, right, where it's gone from... Uh, $10,000 to about $60,000 between October of 2022 and March of 2021. And that in itself 
isn't really that uh, noteworthy to me, right? This is not a new thing for Bitcoin, the fact that it's in a bubble like this. It historically has always had this pattern where it meanders along for a few years, then it gets hyped up, it goes viral, the price skyrockets, then it crashes and it uh, finishes higher than the baseline of where it was before, but there's sort of a very volatile up and down uh, spike. So if we zoom in on what now looks like quite a small, um, you know, bump, the last one, which was in November 2017 of January 2018, where Bitcoin went from about $1,000 up to $17,000, and then it fell back to down around three or $4,000. Right, and then it carried on until we got this latest um, spike. Uh, and before that, in uh, 2013, of uh, November 2013, January 2014, it kind of did the same, where it was about $300, and then it had this huge run up to $1,300, and then it crashed back down, and it ended up, I think it was about $500, $600 at, at times there, right? So this cycle is very well known. It's not necessarily that noteworthy that it is in a bubble right now. But the difference, I think, uh, having been in those uh, bubbles, and there, there was even more bubbles before that, right? We're not going to do a whole episode on uh, Bitcoin, the bubble cycle, and breaking down every single bubble. I'll do that on a different episode uh, to focus on it. But just the essential idea that this is not a new phenomenon, uh, I think, bears repeating. Because for me, this time, it is quite different, which is that even though Bitcoin has had this huge upwards increase. In right, okay, so hang on, just to cut in there uh, for a second. So obviously you can see uh, I pointed out all the signs of the bubble, kind of what we're looking at right now, right? <laughs> I want to just emphasize that, you know, this is a consistent story uh, that we're, we're telling here, right? Uh, and so now let's, let's just have a, have a listen to what I thought about the uh, status of, of, of the 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 bubble there so i did i did actually get quite close to the peak when i made this episode but i wasn't predicting that that was the peak of the bubble so i, I don't want to say that i was a price genius of getting the peak of the bubble exactly right but i think i did point out pretty effectively that it was uh in the in the you know the the main uh bubble uh phase and so yeah let's just uh listen on about the uh the the texture or the difference in this uh particular bubble in its in its price it hasn't gone viral every other bubble all of the previous bubbles it came from some new breakthrough in the community right the price was obviously going through the roof and that makes everybody uh you know jubilant and overexcited and the community goes absolutely bananas for a while as new people are just flooding in and everybody's interested and Bitcoin just is breaking records and there's news stories all around the world uh, and everything like that. But it comes with, oh, wow, this new huge retailer has accepted Bitcoin and, and uh, it would come from a big new step towards becoming the global uh, reserve currency, exactly like I say in the tagline of this show. This time around, that, that hasn't happened, right? So I think here... Yeah, so I've got these pictures that I took uh, in London uh, in the last week where I've been seeing these um, these signs. This company, Luno, has made these ads uh, which say... So they've got one here which has on a bus uh, shelter uh, which says, 
bus stop says, find out why everyone's talking about Bitcoin and then a picture of the Bitcoin logo. And then they have another one here, which is always in the underground, which says, if you're seeing Bitcoin on the underground, it's time to buy. And then the same picture of uh, the sort of Bitcoin logo type of thing. So even though there, there is signs of Bitcoin spreading into the general population and appearing everywhere, right? If you're not somebody that regularly follows cryptocurrency, this is how it appears to you. You don't, you just forget about it or whatever. And then every couple of years, suddenly it's everywhere for three or four months. Everybody's talking about it and then it dies off and you think, okay, glad that's over. And then suddenly it does that again. And we could, it, it feels like we should be in one of those periods now. And we are to some extent in the sense of that there's these ads. I've also seen them on the uh, red buses, right? In London, there, there's been a bunch of them around. But even in these ads, it's, it's about the price. If you're seeing Bitcoin on the underground, it's time to buy, right? It's not, the ad does not say Bitcoin is taking over the world. It does not say uh, 35 merchants in your area now accept Bitcoin. It doesn't say, uh, have you traded Bitcoin for a Coke with your friend yet? Or have you bought a sausage roll or something, right? It's, it's just about the price. Even the advertising is about the price. When the advertising should be about, oh, this is the future of money and uh, it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be global reserve currency and uh, everybody's trading sh shit or maybe it's hyping NFTs or, or whatever it is. But even though there is this sort of uh, advertising for Bitcoin, there's no actual excitement, right? There's, okay, Tesla accepted uh, Bitcoin as a bit of a publicity stunt, but they're not really uh, doing a lot of commerce. It's not like a giant uh, supermarket chain is gonna accept Bitcoin because the fees are too high. Right, so uh, as we can see here, there's kind of the, uh, uh, these ads then later got banned for being too uh, price hypey actually, uh, and being sort of consumer financial advice and Luno had to change uh, the text. So that was quite funny. Uh, and then obviously, as I said, the Tesla accepted uh, Bitcoin is a bit of a publicity stunt and they weren't doing much commerce and what do you know a couple of uh, a couple of weeks or a month maybe later um, Tesla stopped accepting Bitcoin so it did all turn out to be uh, a bit of a publicity stunt or at the very least Elon Musk uh, discovered that this was not going to be feasible as the global uh, reserve currency and so it was exactly as I explained here that it was nothing to do with, uh, you know, it was all pr price hype. It was not uh, on on the track to becoming the the world reserve and, and all that sort of stuff. No, I, I don't know and I can't see any evidence anywhere of anybody earning the Bitcoin, you know, swapping over their jobs to earn Bitcoin or spending Bitcoin at merchants. There's not really any new commerce, right? It's just turned into this financialized bubble where previously, previous bubbles, like I said, it would come from a big retailer like Steam when they were selling, uh, they're selling online games, obviously, and they announced they're you know, accepting Bitcoin. And then uh, lots of people were, were buying these games from them. And I guess the employees, the company were thinking, wow, look at this new revenue stream uh, we've got. And other people could look in from the outside and see, oh, okay, look, it's a real currency. It's, it's actually happening. It's not just something that you trade 
on an exchange hoping to get rich, right? That there is, there is an actual fresh economy being created here. And in this case, there's absolutely none of it. So it just, it just feels a, a little bit hollow, to be honest. Um, the whole, the, this, this whole bubble to me, it just, it, it just is different. You can sense in the community that it's not like the previous ones, which was such a celebration of cri cryptocurrency spreading around the world. This time it's like, well, the price has gone up. And I mean, obviously uh, people who are invested are excited about that, but they're, they're just excited about the price going up. It's not the price is going up as we're breaking through to the mainstream and as more and more people are trading uh bitcoin and as uh, you know my friends will now accept bitcoin when i send them when i want to pay them back for a beer because it's really hype or anything it's nothing like that no nobody's doing that um and i think the listeners can probably relate because i doubt any of them <laughs> uh any any of you i doubt any of you have uh have seen that anywhere that oh suddenly everybody actually this is interesting because this is very even though i didn't know this at the time this was very uh, prophetic of the meetups that I went to that I've talked about where I went and I was in the these crypto 101 meetups in in London there's was only three of them and it seems like they've stopped running now um, I mean I've left London so uh, I wouldn't be involved anyway but uh, th this was exactly my experience that I've talked about on the podcast where I I went to them and I saw all these people and everybody was buying crypto on the exchanges and so on and so forth but nobody was really talking about using it or shopping for things with it or, you know, and even just getting out my phone and sending, sending some to a couple of people. And everybody was just not used to that idea of cryptocurrency being traded peer to peer and not on an exchange as a sort of speculative uh, asset. So yeah, watching this back now, it's a little, a little bizarre, but that tracks exactly with what ended up, uh, you know, ended up, uh, I ended up seeing uh, just a, a few weeks afterwards. Everybody's trading Bitcoins. No, they're not. They're, if they are, they're doing it on an exchange to try and make US dollars or to make uh, some sort of fiat currency. They're not buying real goods and services amongst themselves, right? And the reason is, of course, that the fees, it's just so, so expensive, right? So over the last year, it's got here April 2020, the fee was about one dollar and it's just sort of slowly been creeping up and creeping up so then in june it was closer to you know three or four dollars and then by august okay now we're in the six dollar ish range and then november 2020 okay it spiked up a bit and it was like twelve dollars uh and then okay january 2021 okay between about the six to fifteen or sixteen dollar range and then february 2021 the lowest it was at was at twelve dollars but up to even $24 and now in March uh, the lowest it's been of 13 or $14 and up as high as uh, nearly over $30 right so the the fees are just ramping up and probably again I, I'll sort of think that it will happen kind of at a faster and faster rate because when you have a, a cap on something if there's any increased use of the currency the only lever is the fees and the fees just climb up and up and up and up and as more and more people want to be transacting their bitcoin when the price drops there's just so many people that they just want to cram through their transaction that it just there, there's not really big uh, respites in the 
the, in the time where the transactions aren't super expensive. And maybe previously there, there was, right? And that's why Bitcoin Cash was not necessarily taking off until quite recently, because even if the fees were slowly getting more expensive, well, you know, there wasn't really that many people that were transacting for real goods and services, right? Where it's quite time sensitive, because if you're sending it to a cryptocurrency exchange to trade around, well, okay, if the fees are a bit high or it's a bit unreliable, well, I mean, it sucks. You sit there and fret about it, but it's not the end of the world. Whereas if you're at a shop and you're trying to buy a donut and you try and send it and it doesn't work and the merchant's looking at you like, what's going on? But Bitcoin was not being used in those use cases. So it didn't really matter so much that it was, the pain was not felt by the end users uh as immediately as i expected or as any i think of the bitcoin cash or the original bitcoins uh, expected because that was that was what we used it for it was used for buying and selling uh goods and services in a, in a real economy so these fees have just been ramping up right and so i checked in on our right so yeah you can see like we're going to touch on this uh again in a second but uh, as you can see, you know, my, my story is sort of consistent here, which is that uh, exactly like I said, that the fees would, would go through the roof, uh, which they which they did here. So they went up here, you know, $30, $30 bam, skyrocketing straight up to $65. And then what do you know? The things all had to come to a bit of a crashing halt as everybody realized, wait, this is a little bit, unviable and i didn't actually say in that uh, previous um clip that we were listening to there i didn't say that that would uh pop the the price bubble i kind of wish i had or maybe i didn't want to be too premature about that i don't i don't know but uh that you know so i didn't say that so that's not on the record or anything um but the obviously you know it did right <laughs> uh at least to some extent it did uh crash off the price uh, afterwards so we can see the bubble here was brought to an end by the fees yet again here we go the bubble brought to an end by the fees um so let's, let's okay we're gonna see we're gonna see colin's theory here in a second but uh so let's just let's just have one one quick more little uh segment of me and then we'll move on to colin's theory queen uh from which i was banned many <laughs> many many moons ago uh, but uh, which has committed itself to this pathway of capping the block size and anybody who has any alternative ideas is just a heretic and needs to be uh, cast out and censored from uh, spreading their evil ideas to anybody else. Uh, but I looked on their front page and of course, like I was saying, there's been a lot of hype about the price, right? So people, it's at all time highs, people are really jubilant and excited. But despite that, uh, on the the front page, I found this uh, post, just the just coincidentally, the one time I checked in on it, which is by this uh, poster, Summer, Love, Summer Lover 69. Uh, and they say, if Bitcoin is going to be mainstream, we need to move on from not your keys, not your coins. Right, so this is, this should be red warning lights, should be sounding klaxons going off in the minds of any BTC supporters who actually understand cryptocurrency because this saying, not your keys, not your coins, really does sum it up, which is that the idea that the whole point of a, a cryptocurrency 
is uh, like I was explaining with the NFTs that you they cannot be faked but they only can't be faked if you're the one holding the keys right in a bank you give your ten dollars to the bank and then you just trust that the bank is not going to hand it out to somebody else and when you go back it'll still be there but of course the bank does hand it out to somebody else and then when you go and get it well if some other sucker if you aren't getting their money you know if everybody tries to withdraw their money at the at once it's called a bank run and there there's not enough money to go around right and so cryptocurrency fix that by having the blockchain keep track keep perfect and undeniable and publicly verifiable track of who had what with no central person able to sort of uh, change the you know change the numbers to their own whim so that's the point of cryptocurrency and i urge all of the listeners to this call uh to you should be looking after the cryptocurrency in your own wallet if you want to buy some obviously you can go to exchange and buy it but don't just leave it sitting in the exchange because if that exchange goes bust or they vanish or if um you know the government uh, decides they want to tax those coins or anything they can just do it that's if if they're not your keys if you do not own the private keys in your wallet on your phone or on your uh, desktop computer wherever you have them if it's not in your wallet it's 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 not yours basically if it's with some other service like paypal or like revolut or like Robinhood or anything like that you know you just you have essentially fake cryptocurrency and you're just hoping that nothing goes uh, goes wrong with it so obviously there is a burden so if you right so we're not going to follow on yeah too much more of this but the essential point here and we will come back to this holding on to your own keys and your own coins idea as well in a moment uh a bit down the road in this video uh with the predictions but uh what you know so the price was going absolutely through the roof and this is where uh all of the the Bitcoiners on Twitter, they were all putting these laser eyes on their uh, profile pictures and saying laser ray to hashtag laser ray to 100k. Michael Saylor Twitter, look, let's just have a quick look at it. But there was like all of them had these um, these uh, laser eye <laughs> things on their on their Twitter pictures. Uh, it was just absolutely ridiculous and just shows that the price hype was just going absolutely, you know, uh, off the chain, right? And that was also where um, then shortly after that, they had uh, the Bitcoin uh, Miami 2021 um, conference with Max Kaiser and Michael Saylor uh, being up on stage and just shouting about uh you know hyping everyone up with the price and uh we're not selling and all of that stuff and it was just the most um ponzi scheme like type of type of vibes i'm gonna just scrolling back through my twitter i'll i'll see if i can um find it here also note here a paradigm shift cannot be reasoned by analogy i'm going to come back to that uh as well too yeah so here they are at the 2021 uh, uh, crypto conference. Here we go.
So yeah, remember that chart of the uh, <laughs> of the new paradigm? That's what a new paradigm looks like. That that is it right there. Uh, and uh, yeah, so well, this was in uh, this was in uh, June, but uh, that so that was a bit after the the peak of the price, right? But that is just the absolute classic of like how you know, look, this is a bubble and it's just um, gone too far. I got here, Bitcoin 2021 looks like fun, absolutely massive event, yet the price of Bitcoin is anemic. Why? The market is not convinced. Cryptocurrency is about currency, must be traded with low friction for goods and services. Miami looks to have crypto hype, but not crypto commerce, right? So this was after we had been uh, over the sort of the peak of the thing and we're in, you know, we're in June. So we're, we're back in this sort of lower range. They're having this huge conference. Everybody's getting really hype. Or whatever so the price had actually already uh crashed off there but the even despite that was it starting up the next biggest uh run no that would have been the time for it if this was in the bubble chart if this was the the bear trap and it was then just going to explode off after here wouldn't that wouldn't that have been it wouldn't the world have seen this huge conference going on in miami and thought wow no these guys are right and then everybody's piling in and more attention and everything but actually what happened was people who wrote reviews of it and stuff wrote like wait i went along to see what the bitcoin conference was about turned out it was a bit of a cult and everybody just thought yeah this is it's crazy. And from that conference, there was no videos that came out of people. Oh, look, everybody was buying, you know, like some food stand or something where a hundred people are all buying a hot dog with Bitcoin and just scanning their phones. There was none of that. No videos of that. Because it wasn't happening. Like people even reported that a lot of the conference booths and stuff were not taking Bitcoin. So it's just this absolute mess of, you know, Ponzi scheme, uh, digital gold, uh, which what do you know <laughs> is in my uh is in my prediction here bitcoin investors realize they're all in a ponzi scheme cult okay so tether we're going to come back to tether um right so that's that's uh that's that's what we've got there so that was that was a bit of a mess so now let's let's take a look at um Let's take a look at Colin's uh, opinion. So obviously I want to say I love I love Colin Talks Crypto. I love his content. Uh, he seems like an awesome guy. I've obviously never met him or, or talked to him or anything. Uh, but I do follow his content. I think it's great. And obviously uh, it's really important when you're analyzing cryptocurrency to get a variety of perspectives. So uh, I highly recommend people to listen to his opinions, listen to my opinions, uh, make up your, your, own, your own mind. But... Here's his uh, theory from, this is from earlier this month, 7th of July, 2021, where he talks about um, his analysis of the, the price, uh, you know, relative to, you've just heard sort of my, uh, my breakdown of it. Look at Bitcoin specifically. This is where Bitcoin is the market mover. This is what matters the most, in my opinion, right now. That may change someday, but until it does, Bitcoin is the king. Bitcoin is the main daddy. It moves the markets. And so what Bitcoin does translates into market action for the rest of the cryptocurrencies. So right now on your screen, you're looking at TradingView. This is the BTC USD price over the past many months. And really since the last, nearly the last two months, we've been in this downward trending channel and I actually drew these purple lines quite a while ago I drew them back around here and they've continued to hold true more or less all the way till 
today. And there's been a couple of brief fake outs, breakouts to the upside, and then quickly reversals back down into this channel. And we have not broken to the upside consistently and maintained that position. And so it's really anyone's guess how long we're going to be heading downward here. So the way I see it, there's really two outcomes to the position we're in right now. There's either we continue going lower and lower and we actually break down below this lower purple trend line and we actually never test these highs again and we continue into a bear market and we continue making new lows until the next couple of years where we finally hit the bottom and we reverse and we start a new bull run. Now I give this outcome about a 10% probability right now. Right, so this is basically my my theory. I'm taking this I'm taking this side of the trade. So I'm the opposite of Colin. I think this is the ninety percent theory. I think uh, the opposite, which he's going to say is is you know his theory. I think that's the ten percent theory. So uh, like I said, it'll be fun to see in in hindsight uh, which of us uh, kind of proved correct because it's pretty unlikely that we could both sort of wrangle it around that uh, we were we were kind of right or. Or whatever but uh what he's saying is is there is what i think that the price is going to just keep crashing off uh a little bit and it's going to end up um like i said in uh in my tweet here that crash to sub 20k would drag down the entire market recovery we'll see promising project ethereum bitcoin cash surpass bitcoin and so that's you know that's by the time of the next bull run or or, or kind of the one after that right so uh, I think we're going to off the bull runs over way crash down. Um, yeah. Sub 20 K for Bitcoin, uh, maybe, maybe even lower. Uh, but the entire market just in absolute, uh, despair and, uh, so on and so forth. Right. So let's see. So that, so that's my half words. Let's have Colin's half. The second option for how I see it panning out is that we continue bouncing around in this purple channel here for a little while, going down slightly, maybe going sideways for a little while, and then eventually we pop down for a sharp, sudden dip down to anywhere from 26000 down to 24000 maybe even as far down as $20,000, although I don't think that that's actually likely. So my guess, this is just a total guess, is that we pop down to somewhere like 24000 or 26000 briefly. Could be a matter of days or weeks only. Whereupon the Bitcoin price surges back up and never looks back and continues to blast upward massively on a bull run, breaking through the previous all time high and going to at least 100,000, possibly as high as $300,000 this bull run. That would be option number two. And I give that a 90% chance. And this is why I think that. First of all, why? All right. So. Uh, basically, yeah, so he's saying that, uh, like, so where we're at now, obviously both of us could still uh, be right, it remains to be seen. And so that's why I, you know, it's a good time to kind of make this uh, video, you got to get your, your predictions in beforehand, right? So, uh, and the price is trending down. So he and I are both on track with our prediction. And he thinks it's going to drop off a bit, and then, you know, explode back up and then sort of more uh, towards the end of the year, you know, we're going to be hitting that real new paradigm uh, type of territory. And I think we're going to go crash down and then just be in a in the lows for, you know, some time, like, let's say, you know, we're going to get to 20k sub 20k, and then be under that period of time, you know, for uh, 
I don't know how long, let's, let's say, you know, a, 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 at least at least 12 months, basically, right? Without going up into an, another huge parabolic run and breaking all-time highs and so on. Why the dip? Why do I think that there might be a final dip down to 26000 or $24,000 before we resume our massive trend upward? And that's just because of the nature of these cycles. And I want to call to your attention one in particular. This is the sub-peak in 2013 on your screen right here. And I strongly believe that we are in a correction of a sub-peak, much like we saw back in 2013. I still hold true to that 100% to this day. Now, if you'll notice on this particular sub-peak, we crashed down and then we went sideways for a long time. And then right here, if you can see under my mouse cursor, there was one final capitulation. There was one final massive dip downward. And then it shot up. It basically never looked back. It went up, 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 except for this little tiny, tiny dip right here. But basically up, 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 and then massive surge, breaking all-time highs. It basically uptrended from that final capitulation and never looked back. And I think that that is what we are going to see. I think we're going to see a repeat of that. So here we have the crash down from the sub peak, this sideways motion for quite a while. And look, it can take quite a while. And we haven't really seen a final dip, a final capitulation. And I think that that's what we're gonna see. And when we see that, we're gonna see a ton of fear, a ton of FUD. People are gonna panic sell. The weak hands are gonna sell their Bitcoin. I hope you're not one of them. And the way I look at it is, if this wasn't the peak, then I'm okay with waiting until the next bull run because it's only a 3X over the previous all-time high. So really just put it in perspective. You know, the previous bull runs were at least Right. So, yeah. So his theory, yeah, you know, we're coming up, we're going, we're going to be going into the dip, uh, at this, you know, point in time. So he's on track for that. Uh, and then, you know, it could be a few months, right? So, yeah, you know, both Colin and I, uh, agree, we've got to let it play out for a bit, a bit longer. So we're only going to see, you know, by the end of the year or by maybe even by the middle of next year, right. Uh, what actually ended up, uh, playing out. But then it would be in a bit of a low point and then it's, you know, he's predicting a huge uh, surge as, as Bitcoin just goes through the roof and, and that we really hit the new paradigm point and everything like that, uh, which I think we've already seen with Max Kaiser and um, <coughs> Michael Saylor and people on our Bitcoin posting about needing to get rid of these old ideas of holding onto your Bitcoin because it was holding back the price and whatever. 17x from peak to peak, not 3x from peak to peak. So if this wimpy $64,000 peak was truly the peak, then, you know, when we hit a bear market, I'm totally comfortable holding because really 3x, I mean, that's not that big of a return. That's not that big of a gain from the previous all-time high. I'm in this for the long run. I'm not a day trader, so I'm okay with waiting it out. And that's my view on this. That's why I'm fairly comfortable in this situation. But like I said, I give that bear market circumstance a 10% chance of happening. And so this is why I think we're going to see that final dip, that final capitulation. This is why I'm prepared for it. I'm not going to be fearful. I'm going to be expecting this. And I would love to not see it. Maybe we'll just shoot upward from... Right. So yeah, this, you know, he's uh, gives some credit to the bear market uh, hypothesis. And I'm going to do the same, obviously, right? Like, like I say, maybe a 10% chance Colin is right that uh, it, it dips off, meanders along, and then we just hit this huge uh, surge. Definitely anything could uh, could happen if there was some, I don't know, sudden breakthrough or whatever, but I just really, really don't think it's likely. Um, 
So yeah, and then he talks here about- So that's why I think there's gonna be a dip. Yeah. Now, why do I think that it's going to continue upward? Why do I think that this isn't the peak, the $64,000 that we just saw? Why do I think that's not the peak? And I wanna take a look at the CBBI, the Colin Talks Crypto Bitcoin Bull Run Index, brought to you by myself and Camille Monich. Now, in case you're not aware, this particular metric, this Colin Talks Crypto Bitcoin Bull Run Index score of 54 currently, as of July 7th, is an indicator based on a portfolio of 11 different metrics. And each of the 11 different metrics are on your screen right here. We have everything from the golden 51-49% ratio, the Bitcoin search term on Google, we have the stock to flow chart, the Pi cycle top indicator, the two-year moving average, the Bitcoin Trello low trend line, the Ruppel slash Nupple chart, show me your Nupples, Puel multiple, the MVRV Z-score, the R-HODL ratio, and the reserve risk. All 11 of these combined creates a composite score of 54 for the CBBI. And these 11 metrics are very well known and respected in the crypto space. And that is why we have averaged them into one so that we're not using human bias and cherry picking one more than the other. We're actually taking an aggregate sum and averaging that into one score. So in my opinion, this is a little more reliable than looking at one chart by itself. Actually, I want to show All right. So uh we've got the cbbi here so first off i i love this i think it's absolutely great and interestingly today uh, a couple weeks later from when he made this video we're still at about the same uh 53 to 54. so i think everybody should take a look at this uh use it as part of your you know analysis or think about it i think it's a very very interesting um way of looking at the the market and he's you know since made some uh changes with uh up, updating the different um the site so that you can switch on and off different indicators and so on and so forth. Um, but, and I really enjoy looking at this, but my position basically is that this is all wrong <laughs> pretty much. So, uh, firstly, uh, it's just sort of a bit of a false reasoning to just say, look, we've got these 11 metrics. So if we just average them all together in some kind of soup that will make it more average, it's like, or more correct. It's like it's some sort of wisdom of the crowds type of uh, reasoning, but I don't I don't really believe that at all. Like if you just uh, in some areas of the world, you know, you can get a, a, a sampling of opinions and then, yeah, there will be a wisdom of the crowds effect. But in this scenario, I don't think just throwing a lot of random different indicators in together really uh, makes any difference because you can see obviously they're not all really related like this one here the golden ratio it's at 93 percent search term is at 21 percent pi cycle top 70 percent like troll trend line 47 percent reserve is 26 it's all over the shop right this is this is not just randomly mashing them all together it's not going to get you anywhere close to to what's going on in in my opinion in my opinion uh, and of all these different metrics are so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So he's got 11 metrics here. And for me, I think you can throw out all of them except for one and a half. I only believe in one and a half of these, uh, metrics. I mean, the way he's come, uh, so I'll talk about that in a second, but the way he's composed this, uh, these metrics is from looking, uh, at the previous, um, you know, bull runs and what indicators showed that those bull runs, uh, you know, were peaking out and stuff like that. And then he's put them in the portfolio. But to me, that's, that's really just selection bias because there's like here, we've got the two year moving average, right? But let's say that we had 
you know, there's the five-year moving average or the one-year moving average or the six-month moving average, if those ones had happened to be the ones that had timed at the top of the previous peaks, then he would be assuming that it would indicate the next peak when really it's just there's, you know, an infinite number of different statistics you can use to correlate, you know, correlation does not imply causation, right? So if the, you know, if every morning the birds sing and the grass grows, that doesn't mean that the birds singing makes the grass grow. Actually, it could just be that when the sun comes out, the birds sing and the grass grows, right? So there's no, uh, just because two things happen at the same time doesn't really mean there's any causal link between them. You need to do a lot more work to establish that. And in all these statistics, he's taken the ones that happen to line up with the previous top, which again, do not line up with each other at all necessarily, and just sort of put them in a big soup and said, well, therefore we'll be able to tell when it's the top. So out of these 11, I really do not believe in any of these different metrics with the exception of the Bitcoin search term for the Google uh, indicator, that one I believe in. And why do I believe in that one? This overwhelmingly, more than all the others combined easily, because like we saw, the bubble psychology <coughs> is what is driving the market. And that this is the only indicator out of all of these uh, ones that uh, is really to do with the psychology of the retail investors. So this basically for me, you can just switch this on and just switch all the other metrics off. The other half that I'll give credit to is this one here, the golden 51 to 49% ratio. And that's basically talking about the uh, the halving cycle. And since the uh, when the block reward halves, then it tends to be about two years later, we can see on this chart here. So the block halving, and then it tends to be about two years later that it starts to, you know, that it has a run up and, and it hits the, the peak. So I don't think that this sort of 51 to 49% I think that's probably a bit a bit off, but I do agree that the block halving does play a part in creating the, the bubble cycle, which you can then follow by the uh, Bitcoin search term. So for me, the Bitcoin search term and uh, some indication from the golden ratio, the rest of them, no, no chance. Whether we break downward to 24,000 or we just kind of go sideways and then we eventually head upward, I give us a 90% odds of reaching a new bull run peak higher than $64,000, probably higher than $100,000 and could be as high as $300,000. Very likely by the end of this year, give or take a month in either direction, could be December, could be January. And that's what I see for this Bitcoin bull run. I've had my eye on this prize, guys. I'm going to be with you tracking this every step of the way. So if you want more updates, please subscribe. Okay, so that's that's Colin's uh, theory that we've, we've had sort of uh, in, in detail there, right? And so, yeah, it's pretty clear, I think, uh, where he and I uh, disagree. Have we already hit the peak or are we going to see another huge peak? Is it to do with these uh, metrics that are looking at the, the price and the financial statistics and and whatever this sort of um you know reverse like backwards looking um analysis of of sort of charts and trends uh which which he sort of believes in or i believe in more my own intuition basically and my understanding of the history and the fundamentals of of what drives cryptocurrency 
uh, and the price essentially being a speculation among all the different cryptocurrencies as to which has the best chance of being adopted and becoming money, like money that people actually trade for goods and services rather than they just speculate on the price. So yeah, like I said, I think the search term by far and away the best indicator. And uh, what what can you see here? Okay, we had this, you know, the spikes in 2011 when with when it had a bit of a bubble there. The two peaks here in 2013, 2017, bang, uh, huge spike. And then here, well, you can see. Okay, maybe I don't, I don't know whether this is uh, an indicator for Colin or for me, but it did go up, and we did, you know, have the <coughs> oh, excuse me, the initial um, run up, but then it has since completely crashed off. So maybe this is the, the bear trap and Colin's right that it will go through the roof or maybe it just has floundered out and this run has just completely finished. And I think when you see this chart, it makes perfect sense to me uh, in comparison to what we talked about with the Bitcoin Miami conference and all the hype and everything like that, that there was no you know, we've had Tesla saying, I'm going to accept, you know, we're going to accept Bitcoin, but then they didn't start doing commerce with it. Uh, and they stopped accepting it. They didn't start announcing, wow, it's been super successful. We're going to roll this out for all our, all our products or uh, other companies thinking, man, Tesla is on it and they're taking Bitcoin pants. We should start accepting Bitcoin payments and any kind of consumer adoption or groundswell of excitement cryptocurrency is taking over it's obviously the future none of that has happened and this uh, search uh, volume sort of indicates that people got a bit more interested as the price was going on but we didn't get to a big uh, you know a huge surge in consumer interest and people have just been able to ignore it they have just lost interest because who needs uh, you know Bitcoin like I said there was those ads but the ads on the Luno underground, they're just saying the price is going up. They're not saying cryptocurrency is the new way to pay for stuff or cryptocurrency is here to stay or anything like that. It was just empty price hype. And with empty price hype, you can only get so far. And that's what we've seen. And there's not really any prospects uh, of, of crypto taking off, at least under the auspices of Bitcoin BDC. So, you know, Colin has this theory that these uh, stats show what was the cause of the different bull runs and the sub peaks and the peaks and whatever. But for me, I think it's the opposite. So I think if you look back at these um, these charts, you can see, so like I explained it uh, before, there's the Silk Road. That was kind of the reason because again, it was getting adopted. It was uh, taking over. And then the same with Mt. Gox. And at that time, then there was still some companies kind of getting interested uh, then this rally was after the block size war was over. And then this one. So we're going to talk about why why did this rally occur then? What's going on here? If there was not loads of people accepting it and everything, how, how did the price increase uh, so much here? And why would it not have the legs to, to go further? So just quickly uh, to bring up this uh, rally back here in 2014, the reason that came about was in part because of this thing called the Willy bot. So I've got a quick little news article here somewhere about it. Yeah, so a bot named Willy. So like I said, Mt. Gox was this fraudulent exchange and they basically had this bot running on it that was just constantly buying up uh, new Bitcoins because they're the exchange, right? So 
they can just uh, program in, you know, whatever buys and sells that they want because they don't actually need to have any money in their account to necessarily do that. Until, of course, the users all start trying to withdraw their, their coins or their US dollars and that's when it turns into a disaster and that's exactly what happened, right? So this bot, which was known at the time, so this article is from May 26, 2014, but even this was in retrospect. There were people warning about this uh, at the time of the actual exchange uh, price, you know, doing the, the run-up and everything like that. And they just had this bot that was just basically making up fake money out of nowhere and therefore pumping the, pumping the price through the roof. And like we've talked about with the uh, graph of the bubble, obviously, you know, it, it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you have a fake bot pumping the price up, then that gets into the psychology of investors and then you get into enthusiasm and greed and new paradigm and all that as a result, right? But you can start it with something that's completely uh, fake you know but then real people pile in and that sends the price uh through the roof as well too so uh you had this bot you know the willy bot so i've got here someone from reddit talking about it here um willy was one of the two main suspected gox inflation bots willy was buying up btc at market price at 10 to 20 btc at a time every 10 minutes for literally 18 months and then da 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 so um you know all this all this price hype about <laughs> <laughs> about Mt. Cox uh, and Bitcoin, that was in 2013. So, which brings us to today, in 2020 and 2021, we don't have uh, we don't have Willybot, but we do have Tether. So, if you look here at the coin market cap, uh, you can see here the third biggest coin, Tether, worth exactly one dollar uh, for 61. Um, 61 billion dollars worth of market cap and since uh, each coin is worth one dollar that means there's about 61 you know nearly 62 billion of these coins floating around and i've mentioned this uh tether previously on the show a little bit i mentioned it on the episode on uh stable coins uh it, it was with the the uh, episode seven with uh, um with imaginary username where we we're talking about uh, volatility but the, so you can have a look back at that uh, section. I don't want to go into all that now, but basically the idea is that if you had a hundred, um, you know, dollars in your bank account, then you could make a hundred tether coins and then people could send them around and then they could cash them in by sending you the tether and you would send them back the actual like dollars that backed it, right? Uh, but the whole problem with that and the reason it's distinct from a cryptocurrency, the cost of having your stable value is that somebody has to be able to redeem those tokens for real US dollars. And that's your centralized risk that you don't have in Bitcoin or in Bitcoin Cash or, or other cryptocurrencies. The free market fluctuates because people just trade them for what, it, you know, people, the market just sets the value. But if you want to have a peg where it's set to a specific other asset like uh, a US dollar, then you have to have somebody trading those back and forth and that person can be a huge problem so as we've seen uh, and that's basically what happens with tether where they now have just been printing tethers out of freaking nowhere so uh like i said there's about 62 billion of them but you know back um back uh in 2019 there was only four billion so there's just been this so, I mean, even here, it was a bit of a scam. It's been known for years that this has been, a, you know, a bit of a scam, right? Uh, because even, you know, who are these unregulated guys that have all these shady 
practices and things going on and they promised oh we've got we promise we've got all these you know two billion us dollars to back up our um to back up our tethers but of course the once you have the ability to basically print money from thin air of course people are greedy they're going to start doing that so that's what happened and so now you've seen this huge enormous run-up in 2020 from four billion dollars of tether which they probably already didn't have the money for up this huge printing printing exponentially just churning out the tethers to there's now like 61 you know billion tethers so in this this shady company which nobody really knows much about it has so many problems did they acquire you know do they really have another 58 billion in their bank account ready to cash out to everyone no of course they don't of course it's a scam so um so this this is just the willy bot for this run-up this is how the price has just been pumped up so high right and so i have here there's a video from this guy coffeezilla exposing tether bitcoin's biggest secret i'll uh, put a link to that in the description and people who are more interested in this can watch that but he breaks all down how shady it is and everything like that uh, really good article but for the purpose of this episode uh, without getting into all the details of that all you need to know is this is a massive scam and it now they've stopped printing because now that finally the you know the the world has sort of started waking up to it and governments are starting to look into them and you know whatever because they are basically counterfeiting uh, us dollars but you can see here how all this huge influx of money like 62 billion uh how that would drive the price rally that we've seen here with the price just going through the roof and because you know you don't need it's not like 62 62 billions of dollars increases the price by 62 billion because the uh each one dollar that you're buying like there's only very few coins traded at any one time so each one dollar extra of buying can shoot up the price much much higher uh, it's not really a one-to-one -one re relationship like that so you've got the tether printing uh which maps very nicely to this time scale of the price going through the roof some people at the top realizing this is all a bit of a scam and starting to cash out as well as the new paradigm hype uh you know reaching a fever pitch that was just not sustainable given the actual adoption of um of bitcoin as a as a, as a currency right and of course the same thing with the price going through the you know, fees going through the roof all that contributing as well too right so let's see so we've talked about that okay so tether so that's all a bit of a scam so that's how i think you know the price has been pumped up so high in the absence of any real consumer adoption uh, and then the stopping the money printers of tether and also the fees going through the roof prick the bubble uh, and and that's it so i don't really see colin's theory that the price is going to be going up to a hundred thousand dollars or you know higher i don't see where that's going to happen because tether would have to switch the money printers back on and i don't think they're going to really be able to do that because now the attention's onto them uh, i don't see it getting enough consumer adoption out of seemingly nowhere to convince everyone that it was going to take over as the global reserve currency um and yeah it doesn't really matter about what those previous indicators said you know that's irrelevant none of those indicators tell you anything about the willy bot in 2013 they don't tell you about the fees going through the roof or popping the bubbles and they don't tell you anything about tether either so um that's why i don't think they 
really that accurate. So I want to also shout out here. So let's say on the bull side for the crypto markets, you have Colin and also uh, Mark Demiesel. He has a similar opinion. So I talked with him on the previous episode. People can go back and watch that. Uh, and he likes more the crypto market as a whole rather than just looking at Bitcoin. But for the most part, uh, and to, you know, to put words in his mouth, right, uh, obviously you can check out his channel and find his own uh, thoughts and opinions or, or the chat that we had. Essentially, he agrees with Colin that there's, we're still looking for a huge uh, run up in, in crypto. Uh, and then on the bear side, you have me, obviously. Uh, and then this one other guy, this is by far my favorite uh, crypto analyst that I've found on Twitter is this guy called Mr. Whale at Crypto Whale. Uh, and so here's me in June uh, uh, retweeting his um, his uh, graphic uh, that he had of Goldman Sachs setting up their trading desk uh, in 2017, which was the peak. And then in uh, 2021, uh, March, that was also the peak uh, there too. And then it sort of crashed off and he had predicted that on March the 1st, which, uh, was, you know, very much like, uh, my March the 18th, where I talked about the Bitcoin BTC bubble in my episode. Right. So I really, really, um, you know, I really, really like this guy's analysis. I think, uh, well, might be a girl, right? Guy or girl, whoever, but, uh, uh, Mr. Whale, well, I guess it does say Mr. Whale, um, you know, seems as far as I know, uh, similar background to me sort of talks about being involved in 2013, 2014, uh, and is a very sort of crypto realist, right? Where the problem with cryptocurrency is that too many of the people involved, they assume that it's, they, they are financially motivated, obviously financially interested in it increasing in price. So they reason, you know, they have motivated reasoning. And the problem with the bears is that they don't see the other case. They don't see the good parts of crypto. But Mr. Whale and uh, myself, I think, sort of try and strike that middle ground of when crypto is looking on the up, well, you've got to give it credit that it's got a lot going for it. And when it's on the downs, you also got to be realistic that it's kind of falling apart a bit. So shout out to Mr. Whale. And I highly recommend everybody follow uh, follow those uh, those opinions for, for more in-depth analysis and look just here pretty funny uh, as well also busily calling out like so this guy william clemente three bold claim black swan aside btc will never go below 50k again based on capital flows <laughs> and then he replied bitcoin will 100 percent go below 50k again what do you know that's what's happened uh and this sort of stock to flow again that that's sort of coming back to um to like collins metrics here i think he has yeah, stock to flow chart. Look, it's 94% that we're at the peak right now. Like, I don't know what this stock to flow chart is really. I don't, I'm not an expert on that, but it's it's mostly just hopium, right? It is, it's telling uh, people what they want to hear, which is that their Bitcoin BTC investment digital gold is going to the moon and that's complete nonsense. Uh, so of course it's very easy to get popular like this guy's done by uh, <laughs> by sort of shilling that but that doesn't make it at all accurate. So uh, what do you know? Right, so here uh, as well, I want to just give a bit of a mention here. So I agree with Mr. Whale here when he said uh, yesterday, the Bitcoin bull market is over. Now that global regulators have all eyes on Tether and they have completed, halted all printing, prices are tanking faster than they have ever before. No Tether equals no price manipulation equals no pump. We'll eventually collapse below 30K 
then 10k, right? So Mr. Whale, the same same theory as me, um, which we arrived at independently, but I'm not surprised that we've we've come to a similar uh, conclusion. And so here we've got uh, a response by David Bond, who is in the the BCH community. Um, you know, uh, you know, he might uh, watch this this episode. I think he's got good takes on on a lot of stuff. Uh, but I would give him, I, I'm putting him in here as another sort of counterpoint to um, you know on the on the bull side with uh, with Colin and and Mark. Uh, you know, for the for the sake of balance, right? I, I want to sort of uh, show show both sides of of what the community is thinking from people who I consider to be you know, aware of what's going on in crypto and they're not just, uh, you know, making that up. Like if there was some critic who said crypto is all pointless or, you know, like Peter Schiff or something like that, you could just ignore their opinions. But uh, from people actually in the crypto scene who knows what's going on. So you roughly have those two sides, right? So David Bond, again, so he's backing the bull side here. And he says, I'm sorry, but if you believe this, you're an idiot. Almost every government is printing like crazy. Privacy concerns are growing. Digitization of everything has been accelerated. Rumors of entire governments adopting crypto as money. I'd list more reasons, but I'm running out of car. And then obviously cuts off before characters. And then I responded down here. You're right about all those trends, but the factors that play over a two week period are at best marginally related to the world kicking into hyperinflation and so on. Two years, yes, two weeks, no. Hashtag Bitcoin is absolutely overvalued given the amount of dumb money holding it. So yeah, I'm with I'm with Mr. Whale here. Like obviously uh, David is right that governments are printing money like crazy. Every the world is starting to wake up that government control is a big issue. All of those trends are massively bullish for crypto in the next five, ten, fifteen years. Right. Bitcoin Cash on its way to global reserve currency, right? That's what that sort of plays into. But in regards to this exact bubble cycle over the next two weeks, two months, three months, five months, those things are, are small potatoes compared to Tether, compared to um, the sort of Ponzi scheme, digital gold narrative falling apart, you know, compared to all Tesla maybe dumping some Bitcoin, those kind of things, right? So that's that's kind of the two uh, sides of the argument that we have here, and uh, we'll we'll see what uh, what sort of transpires. So here's where so that's kind of the the backwards looking portion. So I want to just talk a little bit about the Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash and the flippening and just uh, tie some of this together uh, and looking forward to the future. So I think really that the Bitcoin BDC, they have done their dash. They, they've basically, they've run out of time. They've had their, their moment in the sun with uh, Tether pumping their price through the roof. They had their big euphoria moment, their big conference, Bitcoin Miami. We're not selling, fuck Elon. It's a new paradigm, etc. But really their, their community is gonna start to fall apart. Um, I mean, I'm sure there will still be a lot of Bitcoin holders, BTC holders for a long time to come, but they're not, you know, they're, they're going to be hit so incredibly hard by this cryptocalypse uh, theory of mine that with the tether printers switching off, it's all going to turn out to be a bit of a sham, right? Because they're not, their community, their idea was not, we're going to trade it, that people are going to be building at real merchant services and so on and so forth. So many people are just bought in because the hype, as the price crashes, they're gonna sell out and sort of paper hands it 
uh, and it's just all going to fall into a bit of a mess. And you can see here, uh, if we have a look at uh, transactionstreet.com, uh, great website that I highly recommend people to, to look at and uh, visualize a bit what's going on on the blockchain. Uh, but here you have Bitcoin uh, BTC doing about 2.5 transactions per second and a median fee of 21 cents, like we saw with the uh, fees on, uh, here we go, the fees, they've come right down. So yet again, here's more indication that the bubble is over. This was peak euphoria, everybody trading around their coins, everyone getting really excited, and now it's finished. And look what happened last time. Well, you know, it just meandered along again for a few years before the thing hype started kicking off again. So, we, you know, if we were going to see Collins theory that everyone's going to get really excited, then this would only be a little short run. And then, bam, the, the, the fees would start have to start going up again because price was spiking. Everybody was trading, you know, all, all that. But we've now been through two cycles where the market has figured out that Bitcoin BTC is not going to be digital cash. It's not going to be peer-to-peer -peer currency for the whole world. It's just not going to. Because every time the ball starts to get rolling, which it did after the block size uh, debate, you know, or the block size fork happened, and it seemed like they, they could say, well, we have SegWit, and we're going to be building Lightning Network, and it's all going to work out great. That was the narrative that they told then, and maybe the market could believe it a bit. So... Obviously, once the fees got actually kind of high, that proved out to be a bit of a sham. SegWit did not really fix that much with the fees and Lightning Network wasn't ready for people to adopt for actual consumer payments and to use as currency. And then we've just seen this second big, you know, uh, bubble in 2021. Same story of people out there trading Bitcoin around everywhere. No, it's all just Luno buy Bitcoin just, just just as simple as that just buy why no reasoning at all really except the price is going up and that's just the definition of a ponzi scheme the only reason to buy is because the price is going up that is the definition of a ponzi scheme so um yeah so you can see here but the usage has dropped off on the chain nobody's really using bitcoin is that the most developed that it's ever been up to this point and yet uh still you know fees are low and they're not low because the chain is really efficient and doing tons of transactions, which is the goal on Bitcoin Cash, they're low just because nobody's using Bitcoin. So it doesn't really matter whether they have Lightning Network or whether they have scaling or or whatever, because just nobody's even sending around that much uh, Bitcoin. And that's shown also in the USD um, chart that we talked about at the start and which I bring up in every episode. Like, look, it's only 11 billion uh, worth of BDC being traded when it's 4.6 billion for for Bitcoin Cash. If we switch on some of these other currencies, let's have a look here. Like uh, Doge, let's see. Okay, so Doge even has, what? Well, maybe Doge has, look, Doge has 7 billion, right? Or what about, uh, Ethereum's not really uh, equivalent because it's got a different uh, accounting method for that. But let's have a look here. Okay, Litecoin, 356 million. Okay, so they've got like Jackal. But Bitcoin, Do you know, Dogecoin and Bitcoin Cash are both, sort of in the ballpark a little bit with Bitcoin BTC. And Bitcoin BTC holders still think, yeah, we're still the biggest and the best, but their price is, you know, 60 or 70 times that of, of BCH, and yet they're only doing twice as much commerce. Like that should be ringing alarm bells because with 
uh, like I've talked about before with cryptocurrencies, the network effect is key. For actual money, the network effect is key. The more people you have, the more your network should be accelerating ahead of the competition because it has that advantage. If it's just struggling and the other coins are catching up, that means your currency is really, really uh, in a bad spot if you're the market leader and you're not getting further ahead even with the power of network effect and branding, then you are in really big trouble. And so uh, this is just one other little stat that I think everybody's sleeping on a little bit, uh, which is the block size uh, chart. So if we look at the all time chart, so obviously there was only BTC from uh, you know 2009 up until 2017, and then the two split. And the reason they split was because BTC was at the maximum caps of block size and Bitcoin Cash thought we want to raise the block size. BTC didn't. So BTC just stayed at that same cap and then the transactions died off a bit and then slowly built up again. And then here you have the most recent run and the fee spike and everything that we've talked about. But Bitcoin Cash split to have a larger block size because they believe that would be the more efficient path where you could have how to handle more transactions, etc. And then for these you know, for the next four years, uh, essentially, it has it has not even come close to making. I mean, there was a couple of brief spikes, but it hasn't really been making use of that capacity because they split off. They lost the brand name, and they were in the minority fork. They had increased the block size, but it didn't really have any impact. Like, it was not. Uh, it was not like if the network had split and there'd been one megabyte of traffic on BTC and one megabyte on BCH, then BCH would immediately be unleashed and could sort of accelerate ahead because it was more efficient. No, because BCH was the smaller fork and a lot of less people were using it and it had to struggle through and find its place in the market, go through its own forks, build its own community uh, and so on. It has had smaller blocks for, whole this, for all this time. So the big block theory of proving that it's more efficient has been basically irrelevant this whole time because it hasn't even had one megabyte worth of transactions until very, very recently, just when I started doing this podcast. What do you know? Uh, you know, we started following this story and with the noise.cash and everything, the um, it got up to being closer to about one megabyte. The fees stayed low, right? When we look at this chart of the fees here, this chart, this is the Bitcoin cash, is this red line down here. It's so small you can't even see it. And look, it just, it hasn't even budged. It's just been flat at, you know, less than one cent just the whole time. Uh, even as the the blocks have been filling up because it has a higher block size limit. So it just puts everything into the next block. And so now we had the noise.cash tip uh, batching. And, but the transactions are starting to, to ramp up. And so the blocks are starting to fill up. And now Bitcoin Cash is using more block space than Bitcoin is because at the same time, Bitcoin BTC has, has dropped off. So their fees are lower and they're fine. But that's because nobody's using it. So it's not growing. It's actually shrinking. The network is shrinking uh, because when there's no price hype, there's no reason for anyone to use Bitcoin BTC. Bitcoin Cash is building real commerce. And so the blocks are slowly filling up. And so now we're at the point where we should see uh, over the next six months, 12 months, 24 months, we'll see as the Bitcoin Cash community finally uh, has built itself back to the same point that Bitcoin BTC was at in 2017. And they thought, look, we should go with a big block route. Now we're only now going to see the payoff for that as because from here, the Bitcoin Cash community, as they grow and as they build a network effect, as more people trade with Bitcoin Cash, 
it won't run into one of these huge fee crises uh, which goes on in every time BDC starts get roll to get rolling. So BCH can start to get rolling and not get uh, blockaded on these on these fee issues. And the, at some point, this is in the very long term. Okay, my disc is almost full. I'm going to run out of space here. This has been such a long episode. But um, to you know, to sort of uh, in conclusion, I think you know my my predictions are that the Bitcoin cash community is, is going to be, see a huge, so it's going to be very strong over the next two years. Uh, in the in the cryptocalypse that we're going to see, Bitcoin is going to be a disaster. It's going to crash off and whatever. Uh, that's going to drag down the entire market, including Bitcoin cash. So everybody, uh, you know, who is in the market should be prepared for that psychologically and economically, financially. Be prepared for a huge crash off the media to write, you know, that it's all over. I'll be here <laughs> following all the way, laughing or, you know, uh, picking out the best bits of the media skepticism. Bitcoin BDC will, will go into a disaster because their community is built all on price hype. And if they don't have price hype, they don't have much left. Uh, and, you know, Bitcoin Cash will have a tough time, but it's a battle-hardened community. It's been through a huge price decline over the last four years already. So people are, you know, already there in it for the long term. They're, they're here to build a, a real economy. Um, and that's that's what I'm here to do, and, and that's what we're going to keep doing. And so at some point, uh, after this huge crash, it will be in either the next bubble, you know, in a, either in, you know, one, two, three three years time uh, or possibly out, you know, maybe even the bubble after that. Uh, but in the next two bubbles, definitely Bitcoin is going to have, you know, its next fee crisis, but Bitcoin cash will just be flying. And that is where we get to uh, the flipping that I was talking about in episode one. Um, yeah, I was going to play like some, some segments uh, just quickly here. Again, I might run out of uh, disk space. So, Maybe I should just uh, wrap it up, but maybe I'll edit in a, a bit of a section of me talking about uh, the flipping in January uh, in the first episode six months ago. And you can see where we're at now and, uh, you know, what the prediction is going forward, right? Cryptocalypse, price crash, the whole cryptocurrency market struggles. Uh, and in the aftermath, you know, in... The, by the end of the you know year or in 12 months time after we've had that huge crash uh, the whole market will be in disarray but bitcoin cash will, will come through it better than most other currencies and uh, also after that they'll, they'll they're building a real a real community and so as other coins just get a bit washed out of the market bitcoin cash might not be reflected in the price you know, but it will be reflected in the usage of the block space, the building commerce and the momentum of the community. And at some point, the entire market will will wake up to that. That might be in three years or in five years, you know, after one more bubble or two more bubbles. I don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but that that's what we're going to see. And uh, so, yeah, calling it out now so we can uh, check back on that in uh in a you know in 12 months in 24 months uh and longer and uh yeah absolutely open to uh you know colin talks crypto uh could come on the show anytime if he watches this uh, and enjoys the analysis if he wants to debate about it um 
you know everybody should uh yeah take both sides of the argument and and see what they think so yeah that's it for the show um six months it's been uh it's been a ride it's been been good and uh looking forward to the next uh six months by then we'll be you know getting up to the end of the year we can do a one year special or something i don't know um but yeah uh the slides and resources will be at bitcoincashpodcast.com uh thank you to all of my donators donations are welcome as always uh on the qr code on the slides shout out to the telegram uh group one of my listeners asked me to make a telegram channel so you can look in the description for that and uh i'll just post the new episodes there so uh if anybody's interested in telegram you know to get updates about it they can do that too and uh yeah you guys can also check out my song uh, go go blast that uh blast that shit uh you know in your in your sub in the car while you're cruising on the highway or something uh disloyal uh hope hope you hope you enjoy that and i'm looking forward to august 1st uh the four-year anniversary of a bitcoin cash that's a pretty good milestone so i might see about doing an episode something maybe something special for that episode too i don't know uh but yeah thank you to all the listeners uh and that's it until next time